Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by Skyline Chili. We are going to be talking about a lot of different topics. <laughs> in all honesty, very few are directly related to Kentucky, um, but it's that time of year, and I think we're going to have some fun with the Tennessee basketball uh, job, what's going on down there. Some UK football players are in the news, and Kyle's colleagues at The Athletic put together a mock draft, and there is an omission in there. But uh, Kyle, I guess um, we'll start right now. We're recording this at um, a little bit after 10, at the halftime of the national championship game, uh, which Kyle is just completely enthralled by. And uh, it's just been reported by Chris Lowe of ESPN that... Rick Barnes has turned down UCLA and is staying uh, in Knoxville. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a big one. I mean, like it's huge for Tennessee to fend that off because obviously it was pretty serious. Um, Barnes interviewed. There was an offer on the table. He molded over. Apparently, they had to come back with a counter offer, and you know, here we are, ten fifteen at night, and this news is just breaking that he's decided to stay. Um, According to Lowe, he says the UCLA would have offered him five million a year, which obviously would have been a raise. Uh, Barnes finalized his decision to stay at Tennessee after the Vols countered with a new deal. So, you know, I think there's definitely, you know, we talked about Cal Perry's lifetime contract and and just that it was about more than money. It was about you know making sure that he was genuinely appreciated. I think there was some of that going on from what I gather from some of the reporters in Knoxville. You know, Philip Fulmer didn't show up to a lot of basketball stuff, didn't travel much with that team, even though they were ranked number one for a big chunk of the season. Football is obviously king at Tennessee. The athletic director is the former football coach in Fulmer. Um, I, yeah, I think this was a, a situation where Rick Barnes said, you know, put up or shut up. Do you really care about basketball? So good for him. And, uh, from, from the other end, UCLA, you know, one of the historic blue bloods, not what I would consider a current blue blood, but the all-time leader in national championships um, can't get anybody to take the freaking job. I mean, that's incredible. It, it speaks a lot to whether or not, you know, how good a job that is today, you know, right now, not historically, but how good of a job is it today? I mean, what we've seen is probably not that great of a job. Coaches, coaches don't think it's a good job. I've, I've talked to some people in the last couple of days, plugged in in various different kinds of coaching circles, and and that's a pretty large consensus right now. That you know, if you're in a good spot in a Power Five league and you're winning, stay there because you know if the choice is to go to UCLA, because there's a lot of challenges at that program now. Yeah, without a doubt, and I mean, I, I've made this this point. Like when you look at the Pac-12, it is kind of crazy how bad they are at the two major like money making sports in men's basketball and football. I mean, it, it their their commissioner has just gone through like terrible headline after terrible headline from him staying at a fancy 
hotel that I think was it was like the the one of the suites like I don't know but it was like a ridiculous had these you got like chocolate covered strawberries and champagne and all this ridiculous stuff it had a ridiculous rate per night uh, they have a, a super expensive corporate offense in downtown San Francisco. The Pac-12 isn't isn't a healthy conference right now. And, I mean, you could take that either way, Kyle. Like, if you're saying, well, I'm going to go win the conference out there because everybody else sucks, you could do that. But for the most part, like, it's better for your conference to be a strength because you get more teams in the NCAA tournament, and ultimately that's what you get you get fired for as a head coach if you're missing the NCAA tournament. And if nobody else in your league is making the tournament, you're not going to be able to rack up quality wins. I know the Pac-12 ended up getting three in this year, but that was kind of fluky because Oregon had to go on a a run through the conference tournament. But, like, it just is crazy to think about the fact that UCLA can't get the TCU coach, can't get the coach from Tennessee, and now from, like, what you're reading, and this could change by the time you're listening to this, but freaking Mick Cronin is your front runner. That's sad. I know some people around these parts like Mick Cronin and some people defend him. I personally think he's really super annoying. But if that's the target you end up going to getting, when you that's the other thing, Kyle. They fired the dude last year. They fired Alford last year. They've been having months to look on this search, and they're going to end up with Mick Cronin. Goodness. Yeah, it's been since December, right? Yeah, at the very end of December, right before the calendar turned. Um. Yeah, that's uh, the fact that all these other people have already hired their guy, <laughs> um, is, and you've had a jump start. I mean, like it. I, the, to me, the only reason to fire a guy in December is because you want to like get your ducks in a row and be the first to make a hire, right? Like to get the best. I, I mean, I don't know. That seems seems to me why you would do that. Um, yeah, you mentioned the conference. I mean, the conference is a piece of it, and not maybe not an insignificant piece of it, but a lot of it is just like the actual UCLA job it, itself is just not great. You know, uh, comparably, facilities aren't, you know, great. Uh, the fan base is not great. They don't show up to games. Um, you know, I saw, I think, Joe Rex wrote, uh, covered Michigan State for a long time and is a columnist at the Tennessee and now I think he tweeted out earlier today about being I think at a UCLA Michigan State game it was the game that they were honoring they were naming the court after John Wooden and it was like 70% full <laughs> I mean you know it was like a you know great matchup and a huge moment and, and nobody showed up I mean you know when Kentucky came to town and I covered that game out there yeah, it was, was a super there. like you know, super late arriving crowd. And part of that is the issues you deal with with traffic. And I get that, but like even once, even late in the game and they beat Kentucky and it's a big win for them. There weren't that many people there. Mm -hmm. Um, and even if it's full, was it all like 10,000? I mean, it's not a big arena. Um, you know, we've talked about the, they, they don't, you know, charter jets, they fly commercial and, um, you know, there's a lot of little things that, you know, make you an elite program and like, not the least of which is what are you willing to spend? And clearly they're willing to spend more on the coach now. They've made it obvious. You know, they've made their run at Cal at $8 million a year and they offer $5 million to Barnes. I mean, they're willing to spend some more money on the head coach. But to me, that's like a vanity play up front. That doesn't speak to the broader commitment financially to your program. Mm -hmm. You know, you, okay, if I get this, am I, are you going to scrimp? You know, on 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 recruiting budget, on assistant coaches, on travel, on private 
travel, all those things. Um, it's just a, it's just not a great job right now. And uh, yeah, so and and then nothing says that more than the fact that they can't get a guy to say yes to them. The uh, capacity for Pauley Pavilion is a couple, a little bit under thirteen hundred. So you're pretty close, Kyle. Okay. We'll give you the, we'll give you, we'll give you a pass on that. Um, <laughs> coming up next, we are going to talk more about coaching. Uh, the SEC actually did name some coaches. Now that we know Tennessee's uh, locked up with Rick Barnes, um, and then in the segment after that, we are going to talk about uh, some football stuff and. Involved in that football stuff, this is going to lead us into the, the sponsor of the day, Skyline Chili. It's, it's going to be Mike Edwards because he got he got a chance to um, do some drills at UK. And uh, he was injured during UK, UK's Pro Day and then the NFL Combine. And so he, he wasn't able to participate until now. He, he did it with C.J. Conrad. But there was a side bet going on. And Lonnie Johnson, his, his teammate at Kentucky, said that he, if he ran in the 4-4s, Lonnie would buy... Mike Edwards, some Skyline Chili. And one of uh, Mike Edwards' times was in the 4-4s. And so Lonnie had to pony up, and Mike Edwards went and got some Skyline Chili because he knows how delicious it is. And if you're in Lexington, you can go out right now. Well, depending on what time you're listening to this, if they, they might be closed. But can, if you're awake during normal business hours, go over to Richmond Road and get you some delicious cheese conies. That's what Mike Edwards had today. He put out a... A picture on his Instagram of his winnings, and uh, you know, we talked about how much we like him. You got the chili, you got the cheese, or the delicious cheese conies. The Lexington locations in you know, Richmond Road, right across the street from the Krispy Kremes. Uh, you can get it to go. You can dine in. Both are great, great options. So be like Mike Edwards and get some Skyline Chili. You are locked on Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, Kyle, let's let's wrap this uh, this kind of discussion on, I feel like we've been talking about the SEC coaching carousel for a while now. Two of the vacancies have been filled. Jerry Stackhouse is going to be the coach at Vandy, and Eric Musselman will be the coach at Arkansas. Very interesting hires in both of these, in, in my mind. Everybody thought it was almost a done deal that it would be Kelvin Sampson to Arkansas. That didn't come to fruition. Uh, kind of rate them. How do, you, how do you feel both of those schools did? Uh, both TBAs in my mind, you know, I, I think, you know, the mo- obviously the most proven at the college, college level is Musselman, but, uh, I think you and I are on the same page with that one about being a little bit skeptical, like of whether it's really the home run higher that everybody thinks it is, you know, he, a large part of his success was based on two players who happen to be twin brothers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, he underachieved this year. With a team, you know, a great team back from last year that you know everybody was hyping up before the year, and they kind of faltered down the stretch. And um, I don't know. Um, I mean, for Arkansas, it's probably it's probably a good hire. It's probably somewhere close to the best they were going to do in this situation. So, I mean, I'm I'm okay with it. I don't hate it. I just don't know that I'm like I don't I don't know that I'm like like wowed by it. Um, the yeah. Stackhouse thing's interesting. Like, I think it's probably it's probably good if you're Vanderbilt in that situation to try something a little different. And you know, if, if you if it's been proven that you can get NBA level players to come to Vanderbilt, and they have a few times. Uh, maybe it's best to get a guy who develops NBA, NBA talent. You know, 
who has that NBA pedigree, who played a long time there, and not only played like Penny did, but also coached in the NBA and has coached in the NBA's developmental league and the G League and uh, worked with these kind of young players. Um, so I don't know X and O wise, but I would guess that he'll be really good at like relating to dudes, like you know, impressing guys on the recruiting trail, getting some NBA level talent to come there and then developing it, you know, individuals. Now, like how will he be and drawing it up on the board and, you know, coaching it up in the timeouts? I don't know, but I kind of like the idea of it. Um, And frankly, if you took away Penny's sort of built in advantage of having like an AAU pipeline that he could go pluck, you know, six guys out of um, and being like the name in Memphis. So probably he's going to do okay recruiting Memphis for a long time as long as there are good players in that city, like, like just straight up and you took them and dropped them into programs where they didn't like where Penny didn't have that one built in advantage. I might like this hire better than Penny. Um, yeah. If that makes any sense, but no, it does. Um, yeah. Because, you know, he's not, yeah. Jerry doesn't have, Jerry's, Jerry doesn't have the number one recruit and a bunch of other four and five star guys who played in his program and like already adore him. That that's a huge advantage towards getting that first wave of talent. But in the long term, you know, I, I think Stackhouse is more proven as a, as a player developer. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start with Musselman, my thoughts. I, I'm, I'm on board with you. You and I are texting about this. I saw a lot of people just saying, you know, this, oh my gosh, the SEC is, is now a stronger conference because of this hire. I, maybe, I, I guess, I I just don't see like a vast gulf between Musselman and Mike Anderson. And maybe I'll be proven wrong. I know Musselman has like a ton of energy and he takes his shirt off. So that's cool, I guess. Um, but it, it's just, it just seemed like he had short term success at a Nevada program that was built largely off of some transfers and just some fluky stuff that I don't know if you can necessarily recreate consistently. At a, at a program like Arkansas, maybe you can. I know they. I think they went the JUCO route uh, to a certain extent in Nevada, grad transfers and those kind of deals. So, I mean, I don't know. Like a lot of times, these things can work out or not work out, despite what people think. Um, uh, the fact uh, Jerry Stackhouse is is obviously a name, so that's just going to be fun to fun to see, and it'll it'll be a name that'll that'll draw interest, and I think draw interest from recruits, which is obviously the most important thing to a college basketball program. The other note from uh, basketball today is the fact that Kyra Lewis, uh, he's <laughs> Kyle. He, it was kind of weird. He like sent out a tweet, and it was basically like saying, "I'm committed to Alabama," even though you know he already was with Alabama. But <laughs> I guess he had entered his name in the transfer portal, so that's a big get for Nate Oates, uh, who comes down from Buffalo and takes over Avery Johnson. Uh, they'll have some talent for the Crimson Tide next season. Yeah, I mean that it was definitely significant that those two players decided to re up after looking like they were going to go somewhere else. Um, the one thing I was going to say about um, about the Nevada hire, Musselman, you, and you mentioned you know Mike Anderson, like how much how much difference uh, is there in those guys? So Musselman went to the Sweet Sixteen last year with Nevada. And he lost in the first round this year with Nevada. They won 29 games both years, 28th year before. I mean, the Sweet 16, 
Mike Anderson, you know, what sort of made him an attractive prospect is he went to the Elite Eight and won 31 games with Missouri, you know, and then he made the tournament the next couple of years, won and had another game, another year where he won a game in the tournament. I mean, if you look at their pre-Arkansas hire resumes, they're, you know, roughly the same. So, um, you know, I, I, like, I, I think you're probably right. These are probably kind of comparable guys. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on all those and uh, let you know if there's any other movement in the SEC basketball coaching circles. Uh, coming up next, we are going to talk a little football uh, because, as I mentioned when I was talking about Skyline, uh, Mike Edwards and C.J. Conrad did their own little mini pro day today at the U.K. football facility, and Kyle's colleagues at The Athletic are going to upset some U.K. fans. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. C.J. Conrad missed the NFL Combine because they discovered a heart condition, and it was that's a really, really scary situation, uh, Kyle, uh, to, to be told that there's something wrong with your heart and you, you can't do this. Uh, initially, it was kind of reported that his football career was over. Luckily, he went and went to a specialist in Boston and said that he's going to be able to participate. I mean... First off, it's just great for him that he is now looks like he's going to be able to continue to play football because you hate to see a career end over something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, who knows what's next for him. I don't know, you know, right now if he's a projected draft pick. I mean, I'm sure there's still going to be worry about that if you know, for your NFL teams. Uh, but just the fact that he was able to get out and uh, – you know, run the 40, do the bench, do the agility drills. It looked like he did everything you would do at the combine today and uh, did did pretty well with it. So Yeah, um, I got his uh, numbers real quick. I'll roll through them. He ran uh, unofficially uh, 4.7 40-yard dash, had 21 reps on the bench press, leaped uh, 33 inches in the vertical jump. Uh, those are comparable with other top 10 uh, tight end performances from the NFL combine. So, you know, He's right in range with all the other top guys in the draft classes for for the tight end position. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy who obviously didn't have the reception numbers, the the you know uh, offensive numbers that you would love to see. But he was such a big part for Kentucky for so long and so dependable, such a reliable blocker. I, I would I would think at minimum, if as long, if teams aren't scared off by the health stuff, that he would he's a good enough player. And has the size and all the measurements and, and all that that you would at least bring him into your camp uh, and give him a hard look. So good luck to CJ and glad he's healthy enough to do all that. Yep. Uh, Mike Edwards, the other guy we mentioned, his his times were also very good. He had the hand injury that occurred in the Senior Bowl, so wasn't able to do do the stuff at the NBA, NFL Combine or uh, UK's Pro Day a couple weeks ago. Uh, he ran a 4.5 40-yard dash. Uh, finished well in his position drills. Had an impressive 37-inch vertical. Uh, Mike Edwards, super productive. I think he's going to be really good in the NFL. Uh, you know, it, it is it is interesting to see, Kyle, and this will lead us into our next conversation. You and I talked about this before. The fact that's, that Lonnie Johnson is now projected as the top guy that's going to be drafted in this secondary class from UK when... From my perspective, and I think you're on the same page, he was the guy that was picked on the most in games for UK, but he has the size and speed. I I think Edwards will be the best 
secondary player in the NFL from this UK team. But they got four dudes that look like they're going to be drafted in Beatty, Johnson, Edwards, and West. And I think all of them can have good NFL careers. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, you know, I started to say it wouldn't shock me if it's Darius West. Uh, you know, he's a, a physical guy who ran a good 40 time and is, you know, certainly violent, you know, at the point of attack. And, and uh, I, I think, it, again, it wouldn't surprise me if it was him. But then you go, you, you say Brady's name and you think, I mean, that's a guy who had some spectacular moments at corner. Uh, certainly, I would have said, if you said him or Lonnie Johnson, I would have said Beatty. Uh, but Lonnie's gone and, and impressed people in like senior bowl practices and stuff like that, or whichever one of those things he went to. Uh, and then, you know, put up great, posted a great performance at the combine. And now everybody's kind of raving about him. I think you have to, I think you have to be careful of that. You know, it's like, uh, are you watching the film or are you not? I mean, did they play games for a reason or not? Um, and I'm not knocking Lonnie Johnson. I just, it's, it's odd to me that he's exploded as like, you know, somebody's called it. I think somebody relatively notable called him like the best corner in the draft, mm-hmm. uh, which is mind-boggling to me. I mean, he was like the third corner, like the third option at for Kentucky. A lot of times, uh, I don't know. It's strange. Yeah, that was um, one of the commentators on the NFL Network. I, I can't re- recall his name off the top of my head, but, but I saw that clip as well, and it left me kind of scratching my head. Uh, a couple podcasts ago, uh, uh, you know, well, we we got I got to talk to uh, Jonathan Ledyard from the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, and he was of the same mind, Kyle. Which, when I talk to somebody who covers the draft professionally, and uh, we have similar thoughts, it make, makes me feel like okay, you know, I'm I'm not way off base here. He, he said he did not did not like Lonnie Johnson's film, uh, so we'll see where that goes. We'll keep an eye on that. But speaking of the draft, Kyle, I guess your guys, who, who does the NFL draft for your guys is at the athletic. His name is Dane Brugler. I think Brugler, it may be Brugler, but it's B R U G L E R. If you want to look him up on Twitter, he's, uh, he did a seven round mock draft, which not a lot of people do. And, uh, every pick in the draft. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, he had five Kentucky guys getting drafted. He had Josh Allen going number three overall. Um, a lot of things that I think people will like, but but one thing uh, that I don't think Kentucky fans are going to like. And what is that, Kyle? <laughs> Benny, Benny, no Benny Snell. No Benny Snell getting drafted uh, in a seven-round draft. And I actually messaged him uh, after I saw that, and I said, you know, was it the 40? Did the 40-time kill him? Uh, is that, you know, is just like basically he went to the combine and, and the measurables have scared everybody off. And he's, he, he kind of said, you know, there may be teams that like him, but the, but like the several teams that he's actually really plugged into our guy, uh, in terms of their draft process, do not like Benny, uh, just his style is not what they're looking for. Um, you know, you've got to really kind of wow people. Um, as a running back these days, certainly the value of running backs has gone down, uh, over the years. Um, you know, and if you're going to be a bruising back, you probably ought to be a big bruising back and Benny's not all that big. Uh, you know, he certainly the 40 times not there. That was the big knock out of high school. And, and then he goes to the combine and doesn't really post a very impressive number. Um, but I just kind of said like, but you know, the idea that a historically productive sec running back, you know, guy who's on career lists in the league with Herschel Walker and guys like that. Like, it's hard to believe somebody isn't going to 
take a shot at him. And, and he said, you know, he wouldn't be surprised if that happens, but he's going to have to really hang his hat on being the guy who can take punishment and still be productive and durable and all those things. And he's going to have to find a team that wants, you know, needs that. So it'll be interesting. I, I still find it hard to believe that the guy's not going to get drafted. Um, you know, three straight thousand yard seasons. He got, you know, more yards every year. You know, he's a touchdown machine. He falls forward. He fights for yards. He's durable. I mean, the guy was never, never hurt. You know, he played every, you know, every time he was asked, he, he had some huge carry games when they needed a, him to shoulder the load. Um, he ran hard and violent and, you know, fought for yards. I, it's hard for me to believe there's like not a spot on a roster for a guy like that. You know, if you're and if you're in the seventh round drafting and seventh round picks are just basically guys kind of throwing darts at the wall, hoping they hit on a, you know, on a hidden gym. Why not take one of the SEC's most productive backs ever? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And, uh, you know, we'll find out when the draft rolls around, which is right around the corner. And if you want more info on the draft, you can, as always, we, we told you before, check out Locked On NFL Draft. Uh, let's uh, read a review, Kyle. On uh, We always ask for reviews. Let, let's read one. You ready to be humbled? Yes, I'm ready to be humbled. J underscore KY says, Really enjoy the consistency and focus Curtis and Kyle bring to the podcast. Locked on Kentucky has rapidly become a fixture for me every week. But then, dot, 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 Elite Eight loss came out and ad nauseum breathless defense of Cal and attacks on critical fans. Cal is great. That doesn't mean his coaching decision in that game weren't suspect and were open to criticism, as they have been in several key games since the 2012 season. Three stars. Yeah, I guess my uh, Cal Perry ass-kissing uh, got, us, got us in trouble there, according to that was the text I got from you today. Yes, it was. <laughs> so we need to get our rating back up because that was only like our second or third non-five-star review. So if you'd so, like to... So what, what's that commenter's name? J underscore KY is what he wrote. All right, JKY. Uh, John Calipari sucks. And <laughs> uh, please go back and adjust your rating. I will and, say this, though. Um, the... Uh, the, the, the like title, because if you're on iTunes and you see you like title your review and then you write your review, it says great BBN podcast. So like this is a very like good review, but the, just the star was was not what what we wanted. Basically, it was a it was it was he wanted to say that he liked it, but also uh, voice his his criticism. And I, I think that's that's fair. That's a fair uh, criticism. We'll take it. Under uh, consideration, uh, I probably won't change the way that I approach anything at all. But <laughs> <laughs> but every now and then I'll throw you a bone and say something that Calipari sucks at. One of them is answering questions that are directly asked to him. That is that but. is one we can all agree on. Calipari is very very bad at. All right, um, be sure to be following along with the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. Thanks again to Skyline Chili. For sponsoring this edition of the show, go get you some cheese conies like Mike Edwards. You can follow along with Kyle on Twitter. At Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Read his work on The Athletic. Follow me on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. You can hear me on WLAP uh, right here in Lexington from 6 to 8 p.m. and then Sunday mornings 9 to noon. You can also re-see my video interviews on BigBlueInsider.com. 
Uh, thanks so much for listening. As we just said, please rate, please review, and please subscribe, and most importantly, share this with somebody else who would enjoy. Thanks so much for listening, guys. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Uh. Hang on, let's re-record that because I was confused. I didn't. I thought I didn't know you were like rolling again. Or um, okay.